0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Security Recruiter podcast. Today, I'm joined by Gabe LeBlanc. I'm just going to give you a bit of an intro for, for Gabe. Started, started his career back in 1997 as a senior network engineer at USMC then went on to be a principal blue team regional CERT lead for Northrop Gun Information Systems, then went on to be director, love this title, director of the red team for the US Navy, coolest job ever, then was the co-founder and CEO of Black Lantern Security, also then went on to be the director of the blue team and the SOC the spar war and then was the vp of cyber warfare for nss plus then was the CISO at Washdew county and is currently the project manager at occam set who are based in new york and is also simultaneously a cyber security instructor at the University of Michigan. Gabe, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend?
1: Good, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: No no worries at all. We've almost covered half an episode just covering your your experience, <laughs> my <might have> buddy. <been. laughs> Listen, game. You're massively well qualified to to be on here. I'm, I'm sure you're going to add loads of value to, to the listeners. I'm excited to, to hear what you've got to say. But I'll I'll start where I've always I always start. I've done you an intro. I could never ever do it as, as well as you. If you could tell me who you are and what you've been up to career wise, buddy, and what you're up to on a day to day basis right now.
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for the intro, by the way. That was great. I, I can't really do any better than that. So I don't really <laughs> have much more of an intro to give. But yeah, the one thing that was, is interesting is, I'll mention it later in other questions, it starting off in the infantry versus starting off in in computers when I was young. So I mean, that's basically the start of my professional career, if you will. And what I want to say about that when it comes to like the cyber warfare bit, when we talk about cyber warfare and all that stuff and what we're doing, it is really truly, it is officially a, a official battle space of the United States and other countries. It is it is a warfare domain to know about. So it was just, it, it, interesting, you know, my infantry career, learning more about the structure of warfare and how that stuff works and how to apply that to, you know, what we do here. Because it's the same thing, just in a different domain, literally. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, the Red Team experience, in addition to the Navy, I want to clarify that the Navy Red Team in its own entity. I was the director of the, at the time, Spay War Navy Red Team, which I created from scratch there. And the Navy has its own Red Team. There's there's several Red Teams throughout the community. But I started my career really after doing Red Teaming and, and Blue Teaming on the Marine Corps Red Team for a while. And then I spent some time on the Army Red Team. And then that's where I went. And that's where I first was introduced to the Blue Team side of things was actually when i was on the army red team because it's very integrated and when i went over to europe and did that for a while it was was offensive thing and then did like you mentioned with my bio there some blue teaming so that kind of carried on so it was good to really get a a good blue team and red team perspective actually doing the work because it really formed my my view of the purple mentality which is i think what we all should be embracing it's it was a new term at the time 15 years ago, but now there's more and more folks doing it and talking about it, and it's really, we got to integrate those two things. I guess that's cool. it for me, for Israel.
0: You said about you, so you mentioned yeah, battle space for the United States, modern day warfare, we're seeing it play out in, in real life with obviously the whole Ukraine and, and Russia situation, and it, it's, that will be fascinating mm-hmm. and already is fascinating to see how cyber warfare w- w- will play out, and what I wanted to just really unpack is you, you mentioned there, you mentioned the Navy Red Team, Marine Corps Red Team, Army Red Team. Then you mentioned you jumped over to the Blue Team. How much did that aid your overall ability as a security professional, getting an understanding of the Blue Team when you'd previously just been on the Red Team?
1: Oh, it was essential at the time. I really didn't know. Again, I had only really done red teaming, and prior to that, it was straight networking, routing, switching, that kind of stuff. So. It was really not in that realm, but yeah, the blue team really opened my eyes to, and there's a whole other side of this, obviously, and how are these people actually reacting to this stuff that we do real time? Because it, it's always interesting to see that side, right? Because if you don't see that side, you, you start coming up with your own assumptions based on your experiences and whatever. So the red team can typically come up with their own mentality about this is what how I think the blue team's going to react to this, and this is what I expect them to be doing, and sometimes they're completely wrong, and the blue team does the same thing. They assume certain things, and they're completely wrong, and the red team's doing something completely different, and they're just running around wild in the network. It's absolutely essential that the blue team understands, and I realize, again, that the blue team understands as much about red, and red as much about blue. And again, that's that purple mentality that that everybody needs to have. You should Mm -hmm. seek to have a, a deep understanding of both sides as much as you can.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Gabe. I, I think because in the industry, like we can all be pretty obsessive guys and girls. And if you like, say if you're like really into red team and we really get into the detail of going like ham on, a, on, on building a C2 or whatever it might be. And I think sometimes it's easy just to, almost get too in the weeds and get into it because everyone's so passionate. And I think taking that step back and having that holistic approach, what you've just said may, makes complete logical sense in, in my mind. But I can see why some folks might be drawn towards certain aspects of the sure. red or the blue team. And But ultimately, what we're saying is it could hold you back. And then just to unpack the final part of your last answer. So you mentioned purple teaming. Purple teaming in a lot of people's eyes at the minute is the future. Can you tell us a little bit, tell me and the listeners a bit more about why Purple Team is effective and why it's beneficial for security postures and, and end clients?
1: Yeah, I, I'd love to. Unfortunately, this is only an hour podcast. If it was six or seven hours, I could just go off. But yeah, it's so again, it's, it's back to that concept that there is a pseudo understanding from both sides of how each side works, right? But there's not a true understanding with hands on keyboard to actually understand that. So mm. it's like, my view that if you're a red teamer, you should spend time doing actually blue team work. And that's only going to make you a better red teamer. And the same for the blue, spend time on the actual keyboard. And in one of the places I worked before, my blue team would actually test the stuff themselves, run purple team operations, and they would have hands on keyboard, which is really different. It usually you'd say only a red team can perform offensive operations. No, the blue team in this case was doing the offensive operations to test signatures, for example does this signature work I wanted a positive answer yes or no they would actually test it on the keyboard using an atomic from red team or whatever the case or something custom does it actually work or not and that's the concept right it's getting beyond the the false understandings that we think about blue and red and in the purple mindset it's testing the reality of that and how they actually work together and can they work together and how does it actually play out when you're doing it in real life and then again, the purple concept is to actually know something works. So there's no offense to any cybersecurity companies out there, and it does anything, but we buy these tools, we implement them in our environment, and we just trust that it works as advertised. We don't ever test it to make sure. And I've just found from previous experience on an engagement recently that sometimes they don't work as you think they are supposed to, and you don't know until something happens and it's too late. Yeah. And definitely, and it, that that ties in with what we were talking about two or three minutes
0: ago. It, 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 what you're saying do, does make sense, Gabe. Okay, but just got a quick one for you. So, if I let's say I'm a really low-level through and through red team guy or girl listening to this, may, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm quite senior, and. What if I'm almost a little bit, if I'm almost a bit apprehensive about going on the blue team side, maybe people listening deep down, if they're honest, because they don't know the blue team side, maybe they're putting up resistance because they're a bit insecure. There's a bit of a knowledge gap there. If I'm sat there and maybe I'm not saying this, but maybe I'm thinking it and I'm thinking,
1: God, I don't know anything about the blue team. I know I need to. Where should I start? (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Nobody knows anything, right? Again, I started with, from the infantry, completely different world on the other end of the spectrum. And then now I'm here on a computer working hands on a keyboard, way different environment. So you just have to tackle that. There's, you gotta, when you're first coming out, you gotta get over one thing real quick. You're not gonna know everything. You can't know everything. You have to rely on other people. And unfortunately, and like in our industry, it's been like, and it has been for a long time, like people that are really experts and they don't wanna share their knowledge. I'm really not a big fan of that. It should be very open community, talk about stuff. If you're hesitant as a red teamer, reach out to a blue team person, ask some questions. Go. There's plenty of courses online that that go over blue team stuff. It's, and if you're dedicated and you only want to do red and that's in your head, that's fine. But my point is that learning, the more you learn about blue will actually make you better at red and the same goes the other way, right? So reach out and seek that training and, and it's very, and in my mind, it's much. it gives you a much more better clear view than just focusing on red training or just focusing on blue training. When you cross that training red and blue together and make purple, you see much bigger gains in knowledge of understanding, right? Actual mm-hmm. understanding how things work together on a, on a global scale, right? Yeah. So don't no, be afraid to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks, Gabe. I,
0: I think as well... It, 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 I, I'm going to unapologetically repeat a saying that I've probably said on this podcast three, four, five times over, which is get really comfortable feeling uncomfortable because that is yep. when you're in a, an optimal growth rate. And it's like this podcast day When I used to start it, I'm, I'm not kidding, right? When I started this pod... For about two hours before, I couldn't do any work. I couldn't send any emails. I couldn't phone <laughs> anyone. I literally, mate, I could not do anything. And then afterwards, it was like this massive decompression thing. Sometimes I'd go and have a beer. And I literally, I'd write off like an afternoon. <laughs> 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 um, whereas now, it's fine. I just jump on, and, and, and it's cool. And it, it's that way you describe like When you first do something... It feels uncomfortable. You feel out of sorts. You never get, you know, if you think back to the first time we did a web app pen test. I don't think anyone, maybe there might might be the odd person, but generally speaking, we're we're not great the first time we we do something. It's a case of just exercising that
1: that muscle, isn't it? Absolutely. For everything, learning to ride a bike, it's the same thing. You just got to keep pedaling.
0: Yeah, cool. I love it when people come on that are professional teachers, instructors, which you're a cybersecurity instructor at at the University of Michigan. And I want to ask, I'm really passionate about career progression. I think it's vital even more so since remote working because we don't get the learning to osmosis anymore. I wanted to ask you, what's the most effective way to learn? Is there anything you see when you are instructing that holds people back or mistakes people are making? What could me and the listeners learn from you in uh, that regard?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just on that, it's like one of the intro classes we do is all about this. And it's all about discovery, right? Because there is so much. And, and so there's a whole thing on Microsoft and we spend time doing that. But in that, one of the main things I want to highlight here to your question is the best way to get training is you've got to put hands on keyboards. You can read however you're a learner. You can read, you can watch videos, whatever the deal is. But at the end of the day, to do the work that we do, you've gotta be able to put your hands on the keyboard. And when I say that, I mean, you've gotta know the commands, you've gotta practice, you've you've gotta be able to react, right? And know where things are. There's no substitute for that. And I always tell my students, I'm like, I could sit here and give you a lecture for 10 hours or have you do a 10 minute practical application on the keyboard and you'll learn far more than just hearing me talk about it, whatever so you've got to get that and you said earlier that muscle memory of just learning mm-hmm. and doing and the big thing you said earlier too is you've got to understand that this is an industry where there is no end to the knowledge meaning like you, you can't get to a certain place and you're a certified ASC mechanic and that's it and you've got all the juice and you can do it you have to constantly learn every day something new comes out but you have to tether that with the fact that you cannot deal with everything, you will not be able to deal with everything, you've got to learn to filter in your mind. And you can filter on, on your feeds too, wherever you get that Feedly or something like that, wherever you're using, but you've got to learn to filter what you can actually absorb and make useful for what you're trying to do. And, and another big thing too is in that early stage when you're just getting into this, there are so many different paths that you can take. And a lot of people have in their mind already You've said it already, too. A lot of people in their mind when they're first starting this, why would I ultimately do red team? Because that's the coolest. There's other stuff, too. Some people really enjoy doing databases. And that's all they do all day is database administration. Some people really enjoy whatever, right? So there's so many different things. So find what makes you feel comfortable. Find what's really interesting you. And then go from there. But if if you want to, if you're really focused on, I want to be a good blue team or and good red teamer, there's two big things you have to learn up front and really have a fundamental understanding of that, and that's networking, routing, and switching, how IPs, how packets flow. And the second is Windows, Microsoft Active Directory. I, by no means am I affiliated with them. I'm just saying you have to understand that's the very majority of the market share. So if you're going to be testing an environment, it'll most likely be Windows. So it behooves you to learn how Windows works. Early on is that even our intro class, we have students build an actual Active Directory infrastructure, two servers, two clients that connect to them, and how all that stuff works. That's incredibly important for understanding the fundamentals of the, the core infrastructure of what a network is and what we do. Yeah, thank you, mate. There's, there's loads to mention there. I mean, I actually love the
0: fact that you said, get your hands on the keyboard, because I know most people listening, they'll be like, yes, because that's all a lot of us want to do. And it, it's funny, Gabe, like I, I work on some really senior security roles not just on offensive security on could be CISO level or director level and I always say to people are you sure because there's so many people you meet they get a management job and they miss being on the keyboard so to hear that the uh, hands-on keyboard is the most effective way to learn will probably make a lot of people smile <laughs> Good, good. Uh, it's good it's good but no and to your point as well about the industry moving so quick It's funny because I always think about finance. Like, if you're a CFO or a finance director, a profit and loss is a profit and loss. A balance sheet is a balance sheet. Corp tax is corp tax. And it will be the same this year, next year, and pretty much the same after. Whereas, cybersecurity is just not like that. so you've got to be, you've got to be up for, I think, curiosity and you've got to have that genuine desire to, I think as well, you've got to love it, haven't you, Gabe? Because it, you can't fake this, you know what I mean? You might be able to fake it for six months or 12 months, but <laughs> if you yeah. want to be genuine, you, you get what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a passion to it. You have to have that passion. You have to word it out. You have to, people have families and all that stuff. You just got to dedicate time and it's, for, for a lot of people, when it, it's a passion, They do this all the time. There is no off switch, really, right? Even on the weekends, the people that really do this are looking at stuff every day, all day, and it's just because that's what interests them, right? People Mm. are interested in all kinds of hobbies and things. This is what some of us love to do, Mm. and you got to have that, a little bit of that. Cool, cool. And
0: just on the purple team and the threat hunting, if I'm listening and I'm going, yeah, do you know what? This does make sense. This does seem logical in my mind. What would be nice to hear is, I know there'll be certain stuff you can and can't say, but it'd be nice to hear what you and Mark and Aaron and the guys and girls at, at Occamsecker are, are doing in relation to Purple, teaming and Threat Hunting, and and, and and if you could pull stuff you're doing and relate that to the listeners, and, and maybe we could all pick up some learnings from you now, that'd be pretty cool as
1: well. Sure, and and I thought of a, obviously I can't mention names, but I thought of a real world example, i try to make it as general as possible, how that would work in real life and, and why we do that. So the purple team is, is the umbrella of everything, right? It's what drives everything. Cause it has to be the umbrella and everything fits under that. So under purple, of course is red and blue, but under that there's a blue side, the red side, of course, and the blue side is where threat hunting fits tabletop exercises. There's also, we also have folks you know, doing CIS control reviews, that kind of thing. So there's, there's multiple factors there on the blue team side that help because the idea ultimately is we want to take and we we have an organization that we've worked with recently and they I mentioned this earlier have all the stuff right all the boxes are checked I got one of these one of these one of these one of these right but none of it's like working together and if you have an incident and you ask the responders how would you respond to that incident what buttons would you click what where would you get this it shouldn't be a long discussion it should be here and here and this is how I solve this problem and this is what we do, right? It needs to be quick because, again, that's always been the problem. The red team is moving quick, doing stuff. The blue team's behind, and it takes longer just to get the information to find out what's going on. So again, our purple is, is overall our, our umbrella for what we are trying to do and incorporate. And of course, that incorporates the red team stuff we do. We have an in-center product that, that does defense mapping automatically for you on a regular basis. Um, but just to give an example back to the purple team, for example, we had a, a client that had—I um, can't say that. Let's say, let's just say <laughs> it, 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 they're, they're in a particular business, like a particular vertical. Okay. And, and some of the some of the equipment they use is, is IoT stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And there's it's used all over in the industry, and it's known to have been taken advantage of before. The problem is that if this can be taken over, if we have a vulnerability research team, which of course is part of Purple Umbrella as well. So if our vulnerability researchers find a vulnerability for this particular IoT, we could implement that through close access or remotely doing red and affect that. And that kind of thing that we're talking about is not, hey, I got a shell on your box, and now I might go in and pivot to the domain and get domain controller. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is you could shut down the operation entirely, and we're talking multi-millions of dollars a day Mm. that this Mm. is out. And you can okay. So that's the kind of thing that a purple team would look to say is what is the most important thing to you in your environment, what do you care about the most, and let's see about how well protected that is and what you can do about it. And it doesn't have to be the biggest thing. It's key points that we map to mitre attack, of course, and find those gaps. And then in those gaps, we say, here's a gap in your defenses. Let's test this with the purple team and see if you have any ability to react. And if not, on the blue side, we bring up the defenses so that they are able to reach that, right? And then another box on the miter attack is checked, and we continue on to keep doing that process.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So is the fact that the what you described there was obviously shutting everything down. We've seen it in Vegas the other week. I've forgotten what one of the casinos yeah. was. Losing. Yeah, I think it was $8, million, eight million a day, I think it was. Yeah. Like, serious yeah. money. So you're seeing the bigger picture, and that's the reason that you're able to go, we could shut you down. Is it, is, it cause you, is that because you're looking at it from both sides, do you think?
1: Yeah, because ultimately, again, to go back to a little bit of cyber warfare, right? If, if we're talking about cyber warfare and, and what could really happen, because again, we're talking about red team, blue team and stuff. We're talking about we're doing it for ourselves. But you got to mm. understand we're doing it because there's actual adversaries out there that are going to do it maliciously, mm. right? So that's why we're training. We're training to fight. You need mm. to train how you're going to fight. And mm. so if this happens for real and real bad guys are doing this this is our point right you need to prepare for the reality of the real bad guys coming in and actually be able to do some of this stuff and we're here to make you better to do that so again the holistic approach starts from the bottom up as I mentioned some of our folks that have checkbox that have one of everything but it's not working for them it's you're offensively you're effectively defenseless right because you can't use your tools at your disposal to do anything about the fact that you're being attacked right? And Mm -hmm. in some cases, like I talked about gaps on miter, there is no visibility. So you have something in your environment that's very critical to your operation, and you have no visibility on it. No logs, no nothing. Nothing's happening. You can't see it technically, and you can't react to it. It's just there in your environment, and it's vulnerable, and you can't... So that's what needs to get shored up. So we like to start with the very bottom basics, right? Are you doing laps, for example, on your Windows Active Directory infrastructure? Uh, Are you running Bloodhound and checking your, your permission paths. So somebody can't just jump from one credential to the next and know your domain, right? These are the just basic things you need to get done. And at the end of it, the idea is that all of your data is combined into a central resource. Mm-hmm. So you can quickly react and you're not, as your responder as a blue team, typically you have an alert, something tells you something's bad. And then you spend a great deal of time gathering information to find out exactly what that thing is and how to solve it. There's a better way to do that. We were doing it in, in Spawar and in and, and what we created, we, we couldn't buy the tool we needed. It wasn't a matter of money. The tool didn't exist. So we had to build our own. And the idea was that, again, bring all that data together. So an alert fire is that responders looking at, they instantly have all the information that's available within our pool to look at, to make a decision on it. Because the, again, these are SOC analysts, right? You're paying them to analyze the information and tell you what it is. So you need to give them all the information in a quick and timely manner so they can react. Because, again, we're talking about cyber warfare. The red's not waiting on you to catch them. No. And we're, we're spending a lot of time just gathering data. And by then, it's too late. Yeah. No, thank, thanks, Gabe. So,
0: listen, again, make, makes a lot of sense. And I can, imagine, I can imagine there's companies out there that have had this vendor come in, that vendor come in, and they... Care about security. They care about security posture. They purchase this. Sure. They purchase this not toy, new fancy Sam IDS, whatever it might be. And let's say if they're not if they're not talking to each other, then obviously huge gaps are going to appear. So you're going in there, going. You're basically as a result of everything you're doing in relation to the purple team, you're making it the SOC analyst can ha- basically have a dashboard where everything's talking to each other. So operationally, from a security standpoint, when things do happen. It's all kind of seamless. The communication between exactly. systems is wide open and the, the gaps are essentially filled.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm. Cool. Cool. No, listen, makes makes perfect sense and no, I like it. Communication skills. Oh, by the way, is there anything else I felt like you explained that pretty well. I'll just summarise it there. Is there anything else that should be that we should be aware of for purple team? Is there any good learning resources if I'm trying to pick stuff up quite quickly if I'm new to the purple team in game?
1: yeah there's there's a lot of new courses there's tons of places out there i'm not there's just tons but there's a lot of people putting out purple team stuff and basically it's the basic stuff but again if you're in the game already and doing it bottom line is if you just fully read and you only know red learn purple if you're only blue learn red stuff and, and that's it you know, i mean because the purple team is more of a mindset and a framework to pull together mm-hmm. and it's blending those two things together so again it's an understanding of both and again with, with purple team and it's not always just we're going to shut you down. And that's the point. It it has so many effects for compliance and all these other things. Because again, as I said, mapping to MITRE and what's your attack surface, but also, you know, people are have to be HIPAA compliant and PCI and have to follow CIS standards and all this stuff, right? And a lot of that is just paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. And it's only paperwork. And Mm -hmm. what we're saying here in blue team is back up your paperwork with real live testing to make sure that thing that you're saying works actually works. And it could be anything. So it really shores up all your compliance uh, needs too. Because as you're doing it, those things just get taken care of naturally. Cool. I can almost describe it in my head
0: as like the difference between theory and and reality. Say, in theory, if you just hack the hell out of a web app, hack, fix, hack, fix, hack, fix, and just do everything red team, in theory that should be enough. But we're actually almost looking at it and going in and looking at the reality of what happens. To go, hang on a minute, that needs to be, that? It's all So it's looking at it from both sides and looking at the real the real life situation, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So Gabe, I think we spoke about uh, communication before. I always have to bring it up on every episode because vitally important when it comes to career progression, vitally important when it comes to getting stuff fixed. If we're talking about purple teaming, if we can't communicate the advantages to end clients, then we're going to be in a, in a sticky spot. So the advantages of being able to communicate and articulate things clearly are pretty straightforward. But the question is what tips have you got for the people listening
1: that want to improve their communication skills? So interesting, interesting enough, I consider this under the purple umbrella too, right? Because it, it's part of, a big part of all this is communication, right? How and communication, it really comes down to how are we communicating technical stuff to non-technical folks that need to understand it to make decisions. And so we all know that layer one through seven of the OSI, right? All people seem to the data processing, and the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've been talking about layer eight, nine, and 10 of the OSI. It's not an official thing. It's something I think I just made up. I think uh, other people have mentioned it too, but for me, layer eight, nine, and 10 is people, politics, and money. And when I say politics, I don't necessarily mean Washington type stuff, internal company politics. And yeah, it happens, right? The, the IT team is competing with the security team for source, resources and funding, you know, that stuff happens. Let's just talk reality here, right? So that's, that is a reality of what's happening and we need to understand that. So I would say on the red and blue, if you take that concept, if you're a layer one through seven person and you're doing mostly technical, it behooves you to understand layer eight, nine, and 10, because ultimately what you're trying to do and you're doing the right thing for security making it better, you're not gonna get anywhere if layer eight, nine, and 10 is not on board, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not getting the funding, the money, if people aren't talking at the higher level, it's just not gonna happen. It doesn't matter if you have the best technical solution, it's just not going to happen right without layer eight, nine, and 10 being on board and supporting that. So understanding how to communicate and translate very technical stuff to potentially non-technical people. And then I would say too, just like I said with the purple, layer eight, nine, and 10 folks, if you haven't come up through the ranks essentially with hands on keyboard and done stuff, then it behooves you to do that. I'm not saying that you go out and you you become some OSCP and you're the best hacker in the world. I'm just saying if you're at like eight or nine, 10, you should have some kind of understanding of what these folks are doing and what it takes to actually implement that. So you have an understanding. So empathy is a big part of it too, right? Just in general, empathy and understanding how things work on both sides of those layers, and and how to make it uh, work together. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, mate. Thanks,
0: Kate. I really want to talk to you about this because I know a lot of people listening will. So, when you, I know a lot of people that are obsessed with red teaming. Obviously, you were previously director of uh, red teaming. To the Navy, can you tell us a bit more about this? Have you got any stories? Again, I appreciate there'll be stuff you can and can't talk about, but it'd be nice to hear some. If you could combine a really entertaining story with something with some learnings, that would be mega.
1: <laughs> I do have a this is a pretty fun story, okay? Because it's it's corny, but it's pretty what's Tom Cruise's MI6? Okay, stuff. yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> I wasn't dangling from a rope in some mission Kosovo. <laughs> Yeah, mission, nothing crazy like that, but it was fun. It was close in its own way. So, again, I started on the Marine Corps red team, went to Army red team for, for quite some time, and, and then I created a red team in Spay War there. But so the, the story that kind of goes like this, right? So, in, in coordination, and kind of this is a cyber warfare lesson too, right? So, our, our target was a supply base, if you will, for the Marine Corps. So, my first stop going in was to the police. To get, show them I get out of geo free card. It's the only thing you keep on you. Maybe a flashlight when you're going in. Maybe some lock picks, that kind of tools you need. Twenty, dressed all in black, the whole thing, going in, doing this thing. Tried to go through the roof. Found a door in the back that was able to be pried up just enough. And this is a big warehouse. And inside this big warehouse, it's hard to visualize. A big warehouse with a office space built inside of it. Got in under the door had to shimmy over some pipes to get to the office space roof, if you will, had to remove a panel, and it was about 10 feet, and then I shimmied down a water pipe to get in, and I had a buddy with me replace the panel, they went back out to the door, so I was in, so I just went, open the door, and let everybody else in, I, if, I hope the guy that's, that, that was doing this doesn't hear this, but a funny little part of the story, and I'm a jerk for doing this, but he was studying the CISSP and I already had my CISSP for some time. So I knew it was a Sean Harris chapter six was on physical security. When I got in, I saw the book on his desk and I opened up the chapter six and put a bookmark in it. And I don't know, <laughs> a little calling card to say what they were there, we were there. But yeah, red teaming is fun. I just, I like to give that story because it can be that fun. There's some yeah. great videos out there from layers, Tiger team. If you want to look them up on YouTube. Okay, That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's a lot of fun. The law of law 15 of red teaming. If you last thing I'll leave on there, if you are read it, that's something everybody should strive for. Law 15,
0: law 15 on red teaming, yeah. The laws of red teaming cool. Yeah, but listen, the physicals when so for everyone listening, Mark's from Occam's on as well. And he was telling me some stuff. The physical stuff, it is, it's, I just can't believe you guys get paid for it. It's great,
1: it is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I did jump <laughs> into bushes when a, when a cop car was coming by. It was just—it's just a lot of fun, and the same thing. I was like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to
0: do that. Yeah, no, it's great. I could just imagine like, get home and speak to your partner or speak to your friend. Yeah, had you go to work today? Yeah, anything interesting happen?
1: Yes, yeah. it does go wrong sometimes. We have have had people gotten arrested, and it does <laughs> happen, but it's not a big deal.
0: Cool, thank you for that, mate. I like red team stories, especially physical ones. I know, Gabe, I know you guys and girls at, at Ockham Sec. Um, busy I know you've got some growth plans which are exciting I'm seeing like a massive 2021 2022 I think every single company was busy at the minute I've got we're doing a lot of stuff in Texas at the minute we're doing quite a bit of stuff in New York on the recruitment side of things and certain clients are quite aggressively going after it and they, they seem really busy and then you've got other companies that that seem to be really struggling Say, I know you guys, are, guys and girls are busy. Why, why do you think some firms are still killing it and some are struggling? What's your thoughts on it?
1: I, I think just in general, cybersecurity is hot, so there's a lot of startups and a lot of money being thrown out there from investors and really fast growth. And then it's come to a time now where I think CISOs are, are just having a tough time getting funds. It's, mm. it's a tough time. There's only so much money to go around here, so go back to later, 8, 9, and 10 if you've only got so much money to spend where do you spend it and if tool x costs me two million dollars a year but i can get a more effective view of what's actually wrong with my network in real life by doing a purple team makes more sense and that's obviously going to cost a lot less right so Mm. the focus is on products buy a product check this box buy a product that does this and nothing against these vendors but there's so many promising to do so many different things and then again it's one thing to buy it but once you buy it and put it in place how do you actually execute it so it works right so i think a lot of people are finding that they buy these things and then they expect them to just work out of the box and they're having to spend all of their time just trying to get this tool to work and it takes away from other duties and actually doing cybersecurity, right so i think that now that like again like i said with the budgets it's, i don't want to spend all this money on this tool i can't afford it and i don't even know what's going to be effective Let's see what we got now. How can we get back to basics? Are we doing the basics? Because we got to do the basics first and then really test what we have and really focus on, does this thing I paid money for actually work or not? And mm-hmm. I think they're finding it, it's not. And so they're going to other companies like us and, and yours and, and saying, hey, I want to find out reality here. I want to make sure that I'm spending my dollars in the right place because I've only got so many dollars to spend.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I I can imagine back in like early days when certain products started coming on the market, I can imagine it was just people would probably just say yes to everything. Whereas now it maybe has even gone the other way because, like I said, because there is so many startups and saying this and saying that, you've got to be there's got to be a USP there, and it's got to be have the longevity so it's got it's just it's got to be genuine it's got to be good and we're the same game, but when we're if we're meeting new clients that like we're really drilling down into you know, what's this what's cool what's your different because uh, it makes a difference on the hiring side as well because people want people I think people want something that's genuinely making a difference and sustainable and they can really tap into their sense of purpose and really feel that they're actually making it making a difference because that's ultimately what it's all about isn't it
1: yeah sure
0: yeah mm. yeah cool all right, my friend. On the blue team stuff. So obviously, you've been a you've been a principal on the blue team side for correct me if I'm wrong around seven years previously within your career. So for blue teamers listening, and for people even like we discussed, even for red teamers listening, what really good solid learning resources have you used over the years to uh, get your blue team game where it is today?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm a little old-fashioned in that sense. The first book I bought at, at Barnes and Noble was Ubuntu 3, and actually had the disk in when I mean, they used to have disk and, and built. And then I went on and I this is not so much blue team but it, it highlights the point. So I went out from that to learn how Gentoo works. And anybody that knows Gentoo, it's not the easiest version of of Linux to use. But the point is, is like back to what we said earlier: hands-on keyboard. You've got to build it yourself. Obviously, there's tons of stuff out there on the internet. All kinds of different companies that specialize in training. I'm not going to mention any of them, but the, all that general stuff is out there. I'd recommend a good program that goes through all of the basics in learning. And again, for blue teamers, learn the red and learn the fundamentals of what you're blue teaming, right? Because again, ultimately your environment is most likely comprised of two major components: your network, right? Your, your routing, how all that stuff works and your Windows Active Directory environment, in most cases. I'm saying the vast majority of cases. So learn how that stuff actually works. That's the core fundamental of infrastructure. And it's positive learning for both Blue and Red Team folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, my friend. So um, what we'll do is, Gabe, we'll put them, uh, we'll put them in the show notes as well, so people can people can find them, um, find them nice and easy. Gabe, just to flip back to purple teaming for a minute. So essentially, if we talk about adding value, bringing genuine value, creating more value for end clients, would it be fair to say that end clients will get a lot more value for money off the back of a purple team engagement as opposed to anything else?
1: I would say they'll get ground truth information, right? Okay. No, no baloney, no nothing. This is what actually works. So here's all the things you have when we map all that stuff out with detect and miter. Here's all the things you have. Here's what works. And then Purple Team will tell you exactly what is not working. And exactly mm-hmm. what you think might be working is not working. And then most mm-hmm. importantly, can you actually do something about it? What is the fix for that? because it, it could be a situation where you don't have an immediate fix. You have to have a long-term plan could require major network up some, all kinds of stuff involved with that. But the ground truth of this is no kidding where your environment is at right now. This is what, how you can detect and respond to a threat. And this is what you cannot detect and respond.
0: Cool. I like it. Do you know what? That ties really back in with communication because I can imagine your communication skills really matter when it comes to this.
1: <laughs> I was, it's really important, again, that translation, like I said earlier, from the first seven layers of the OSI to 8, 9, and 10, that's the big jump, right? Yeah. The, the, the technical stuff is usually easy, right? A technical person sees that and they're like, oh, okay, that's the thing that's broken. This is what I need to do to fix it. Boom, boom, they got it, right? But again, translating that to the upper layers of why it matters is the tricky part. Yeah. No, brilliant, thank you, mate. And report writing again ties
0: into communication, written communication. What uh, tips have you got for uh, people listening that want to enhance their report writing when communicating with technical or, or
1: non-technical stakeholders? Right, reporting it is a tough one, isn't it? It's, I and I've seen a lot of your previous stuff on it. It's every kind. Of everybody has a like little different flavor of it. Some yeah. some entities have created their own proprietary. Reporting formats, it's its a big thing. And then with us, we have different types of reports, right? We have a threat or a Purple or a Tabletop or a Red Team. So different types of things. But ultimately, it comes down to, like you just said, like it's communicating the most important part, right? Bottom line, the report could be 65 pages, right? But it's really about the exact summary and the conclusion, right? This yeah. is why this matters. This is what you need to do about it and here's why it really matters to you and your environment and all the technical stuff is what it is. Right.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's, if you find, I was speaking to to, to one guy on the pod and he said when he first started, he used to throw everything at the client, like every single thing he found and the client would just like get bamboozled, overwhelmed, and then nothing would get fixed. Whereas if he just prioritized and triaged things correctly, then success was higher.
1: Yeah, we have that too. We have some clients that they want every single bit of data we have. And okay. then we have other, other clients that will say, just give me the gist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah okay. Whatever they want. But Yeah, no,
0: that makes sense. And, and that, it's interesting you say that because on that particular point, I, I was saying a lot of it will come up on the scoping call and, and by listening to the client on that first call what they want. Because like I say, everyone's going to be – going to be different and some people are going to want systems and environments from ripped to pieces they're going to want to know about everything others are going to want to be somewhere in the middle and, and dare I say it, some of them are just going to want to have a box tick so they're staying within the parameters of where they need to stay to aren't they yep yeah,
1: yep yeah, that's true
0: mm-hmm. cool okay my friend so I've asked you about some learning resources for the blue team side learning resources that you've discovered for hacking red teaming online anything in particular that's standing out for you either at the minute or over the years gone by
1: yeah, there's some great free resources out there again i'm not affiliated with anybody i'm just this is what what i found owasp of course so when i was doing red teaming in, in the dod it was a lot of physical a lot of network stuff yeah. web apps weren't really a thing right now yeah. it's all about the web app if if you're if you're in the game and you're weak on web owasp is a great place to start they are the de facto place to go they have a tool to use app they have other vms you can download that are her ownables, you can practice so again, the hands on the keyboard burp has a great free class burp is probably one of the most popular web app and test tools right but they have yeah. a great free course you can go to if you've never heard of xss is they'll run you through it and you can actually do it in burp it's, it's great right so yeah and the last thing I would mention is YouTube is great YouTube is I mean I haven't and I use it a lot of time with, with teaching too because sometimes you know Maybe I can't explain something correctly, or I don't explain it right, or I find you know somebody else that explains something much better. So YouTube is a great resource.
0: Nah, no, definitely. Do you know what, Gabe? I think YouTube is amazing, and what I did—they charge you for it, but you can upgrade YouTube for about—it's about. It's about fifteen sixteen dollars a month but it basically gets rid of all the adverts it means you get a different special app on your phone whereby if you close your phone it just plays like it does on 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 spotify or something so i've actually got that now and for my self-development it's really good because i say any industry any area communication technical recruitment whatever i want to know about i can just put it on when i'm in the gym or walking around it's it's good and having youtube premium i find really Really, really helps great. yeah
1: yeah could you send me your credentials so-
0: yeah, yeah. yeah no problem yeah i'll give you them now while we're on air
1: <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs> and yeah that's obviously Burps. sweet i'm a little bit biased because they're, they're uk guys for the north of the uk but they're um yeah portsmouth web academy and they and the fact that it's all free as well they, they do a great job yeah. those guys don't they yeah yeah absolutely it's yeah yeah cool Cool. I know you've mentioned, I think you mentioned one book, you did, you mentioned one book already, which, I'm going to change this question, because I, I used to always say which book, but I'm going to change it to which book or podcast, or which book and podcast have had the most positive effect on your career so far.
1: One's not a book, there was a lot of books with it, but when I was with the Army, we were part of the Information Operations Command, and they have an IO planners course, hmm. and basically it's it's... The terms of all change now, because for whatever reason, the, the, the 20-some years I was in the military, acronyms change at least every six months, it seems. But the IELTS course goes through the full spectrum of cyber warfare, right? Psychological mm-hmm. operations, military deception, all that kind of stuff. And and the point is, it talks about the warfare of it and not just the typing on a keyboard and exporting something, because an O-Day is an O-Day. Who cares? No big deal. But this goes through, like, how to actually plan and beyond just red teaming hands-on keyboard exploit stuff it's how do you influence operations in an entire country or region and there's many ways to do that i think i mentioned the dowage you kundo is one of the early books i read very on by of course by bruce lee um i, think I was like eight or something went to a library 12 and I asked the lady do you have anything by bruce lee because i love bruce lee she said, yeah we have the book so the, the <laughs> point to take away from there and, and this is one of his, bruce lee's favorite sayings and i think it applies to so much in life is absorb what is useful discard what is useless there's a good meaning in that he was a philosophy major and, and all that stuff but there's going to be a lot of stuff that come. To. like i said in cyber there's just so much so you have to build that filter right and whatever you're specifically into whether it be blue or red you got to learn how to filter what's actually useful to you. it's a great series that was put out the stealing network series how to own a continent how to own an identity and how to own a box if Ah. you've never read those in your life and you're doing red or blue teaming i highly advise you to do those they're old they're 2003 ish um but yeah it's great stuff and another great book and from one of my one of my mentors is is called battle leash leadership it's by captain adolf von schell he was a infantry commander in the world war ii for the germans and it's required reading for um at a certain level in the marine corps and it's a great book about battle leadership of course but again applies to cyber warfare but, mm-hmm. Cool. Right, Gabe. I'm just
0: going to get, because this is going to be listened back to by personnel in our agency, and they're going to pull out all the books we mentioned and put them in the show notes. I'm just going to make their life easier, and I want to make sure the listeners have definitely got it. It's how to own a continent, how to own a box. There was one more as well on how to own, I think.
1: Yeah, if you just Google stealing the network, but it's how to own a continent, how to own an identity, own, a, okay. own the box. Cool. Um, and battle leadership, I don't know if you could find that. The Art of War is another good one. And I mentioned the Daoji Kundo. And there's a great book on cyber warfare by Singress with Jason Andrus and Steve Witcherfield. Don't know them, but it's a great book just on cyber warfare because it does talk about all the aspects, not just the technical stuff.
0: Brilliant. So, May I tell you what? you I think you've just broke the record on the podcast for the most book recommendations.
1: So thank you and well done. Awesome. I tried to keep it down. I, I had so many more I wanted to mention. But I was like,
0: oh. <laughs> this is brilliant. You've given us absolutely loads. I'm, I'm just laughing as well because like, my resources, she's going to be flying around going, trying to find all these books from uh, a while ago. But no, listen, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's cool. That's cool. In terms of in terms of, just coming on to – I know I promised you an hour, my friend. So we're, we're coming up to an hour. I'm going to try and just keep you for an hour. We might go just over, but I've just got a couple – couple more questions for you gabe if that's cool mentors i think are vital who's been your mentor over the years if i'm listening and i don't have a mentor but i want one how do i get one
1: you can always ask there are people that do it professionally there are people that will say hey i'll be your mentor and you can ask that's a thing i never really did that i just think one of the key things you need to learn is listen more than you hear pay attention to somebody and somebody that you can see that's honorable and you respect and you want to try to emulate. For me, that was the person that gave me battle leadership. It's actually his book, it's it's Ah. got his notes in it. He was a second lieutenant at the time. I won't say his last name, but he's still active duty Marine Corps. Um, He was what we call a a Mustang. So in the military, if if you go from being a enlisted person to an officer, we call those Mustangs, Mustang officers. But he's been a great mentor overall on so many things, on leadership and understanding the big picture of cyber operations, not cyber, but military operations, battle space. And like I said, cyber is a battle space domain, so we should treat it like that. And there's a lot of good other ones I'd like to shout out. I don't really say like same names, but there is a person that's out there that's a big in the Cisco world, CCIE, really big networking person. When I worked with him at Quantico. I was just getting started and he really put a lot of things into focus. And there's a, a lot of good folks on the Marine Corps Red Team that I started with. One individual specifically, again, I won't mention his name, but he pointed something out to me literally. And that without him doing that, I probably wouldn't be here today. Oh, wow.
0: So, cool. Thank you, well, yeah, no, thank, thanks, David. Cool. I think a massive thing he said there is ask and because so many people don't and it sounds simple but so many people aren't yeah. doing it and yes you might get some no yes you might get some rejections but that takes us back to get comfortable get comfortable being uncomfortable if you do just ask and you're really polite i always say be really polite and really persistent i think it, it goes a long way doesn't it
1: yeah and again if they say no or if it's not a thing like my current bosses i want to grow up and be like them one day, right? Just pay attention to what they do, how they do it. Take the Jeet Kune Do lesson and absorb what is useful from them and discard what doesn't work for you. And you can do that with anybody. Junior mm-hmm. two, junior people too. It doesn't have to be a senior person. Mm-hmm. I learned so much for some of these young guys that are working here. It's ridiculous. Some of these people working here, I, I'm old enough to be their father, but <laughs> every day that I talk to them, I'm like sitting there taking notes, writing stuff down. Oh, I got to learn about that. Yeah, no, cool. No, it's good. It's good. I was just going to ask you as well, Gabe. You've been,
0: you've worked in a, and operated in a leadership capacity multiple occasions throughout your career. Any specific, uh, and, and maybe this is, maybe this question you've already answered and it's catered for in some of the material you've already given us, but I'll ask it anyway just in case. Any, podcasts or books or info out there on leadership and uh, improving leadership skills
1: within security? Any tips or hints there? I mean, I might be a tiny bit biased here, but there's the Marine Corps leadership management training. I can send you the link to it. Okay. But the, it goes like this, a, a ditty we had to learn is JJ did tie buckle. And of course, that stands for something. I can go through them if you want. But yeah. the point is that's basic leadership management stuff, and I hate to say manage, it's management's different than leadership, but it's basic leadership stuff that everybody should be doing. And, and one thing to mention to red and blue folks, and again, I've already mentioned this, but a lot of folks that are red in leadership don't necessarily encourage their folks to learn blue. It's learn more red. And I, I promise you, the more you learn about blue, the better you will go at red. So mm-hmm. for leaders on both sides, encourage your folks, if you're blue team, encourage your folks to put hands on keyboard and have them do it mm-hmm. themselves. Don't wait for a red team operation once a year or a pen test or whatever it is. Go do it yourself. See if it actually works. Mm. You know, Trust. We, we had this big saying, trust but verify, right? Trust mm. but verify. So it's the verify part. And when you're coming up and, and learning, again, from layer one through seven, learning eight, nine, and ten, it, it takes time and it takes experience. And, and But yeah. it's something you, you just get better at over time.
0: Yeah. No, thanks, Kevin. Like I said, I know from recruitment, people are the hardest thing in the world to manage. It can be fun and games and yeah, it can take a lot of mastering. But it doesn't surprise me at all to hear you say about taking it back to Marine Corps leadership and stuff, because you read back through some of these books that are still really relevant now, really good. And there's some of the oldest books around and so much of it is still so applicable nothing's changed again if i relate it back to recruitment there's some real old school recruitment books that i'm reading they're still brilliant but yeah. it makes sense
1: yeah absolutely hmm.
0: cool all right my friend um is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't or do you think we've do you think we're about covered
1: or I mean, I could do this all day long, literally, but <laughs> I understand we're trying to keep it under a time frame here. So, yeah.
0: No, 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 it's good. It's good. Unexpected benefit of doing the pod is it's great for my own self development and hearing different things and learning different things. It's mate, it's great. It's interesting. It's improving my ability to recruit. It's, it's good. And now, thank you, mate, because it's been educational for me i've really really enjoyed it buddies thank you my friend all right gabe thank you for your time really enjoyed that and i'm sure we'll speak again soon thanks gabe
1: thank you for having me
0: appreciate it thank you thank you